welcome back to another episode of Horror 4H. Now, I know, I know, it's been a while. You all know why at this point, so just be thankful I'm back to be your guide into the splattertastic world of shitty horror movies. Social media, yada yada yada, but okay, no, really, follow me on uh, Twitter at Horror4H, or look up Horror4H on Facebook, or email me at Horror4H at gmail.com. Are you sensing a theme? It's been a long time since you've gotten to hear me riff on bad horror, so hopefully some of the small snippets of stories and works I put out have kept you satiated enough that you haven't taken to feasting on your friends and family, but you know, if you have, bad. Don't do that. Or at least before you do that, turn on their computers over to my SoundCloud and hit repeat so I get more listens. You know, I mean, be reasonable. Well, I don't want to take away from my comeback episode any more than I already have, so sit back, relax, and enjoy bad horror through someone else's eyes. Scream 1981. Yeah, right? Today we are watching the movie Scream! No, not that one. And, and no, not the Greek film noir movie either. Yes, there was a Greek noir film called Scream. No, I won't be doing an episode based on that movie either. Mostly because I don't know where to watch it. That's why. Also because I don't speak Greek. I mean, yeah, it could have subtitles. I suppose I could probably find a way to watch it. And hey, wait a second. Back to the task at hand. Masturbation joke. But honestly, so I haven't watched this movie before writing this up, nor have I ever heard about it. Until I happened upon it accidentally, I thought the only movie named Scream was the one you were hoping for. But one, I actually love the Scream franchise as a whole, and the first one was a shot of adrenaline in the horror genre, and the TV series is seriously one of the best things I've ever seen. And Bex Taylor Klaus is seriously one of the best people I've ever seen in anything. And I say people specifically because they're non-binary. And yes, here on Horror 4H, they is an appropriate single-person pronoun. And fun fact, it has been since, like, the fucking 1700s. But moving on! I tried to find a single good review of this movie, and the nicest thing I could find on it was from Richard Mogg of RetroSlashers.net, who said, and I quote, Sure, it fails as a slasher, but I'd still give it a passing grade for trying, end quote. So, folks, we're about to watch the participation trophy of slasher films. This is... this is gonna be painful. Oh. So far, so good. We're hearing generic thunderstorm noises, and it's a Byron Kinsenberry film. And any film that's made by someone with a name that sounds like uh, rejected Wonka candy has to be fantastic. So, that's a little-known rule of cinema for you, by the way. So we open on a painting of a ship. Must be a pretty important painting because it's taking the better part of two minutes to pan across it. And passed it to a lighting fixture. Aha! The lamp is the murderer! Wait, no, no, no. Some knickknacks and a clock that is incessantly chiming. Or at least it's supposed to be the thing that's chiming, despite the obvious fact that the noise is coming from a grandfather clock. But hey, maybe that little desk timepiece hit puberty early. <laughs> I, I know I sounded like a grown-ass man at age 12, so... And oh my god! The knickknacks! Two of them have their heads cut off now! And a third one has blood on it! And a shocked look on its face! No, seriously, they panned past three tiny figures. A butcher, a baker, and now what I can only assume, having typed that, is also a candlestick maker. In fact, I have to back it up. Yep, the third figure is holding a candle, and the only reason to hold a candle is because you're either a Victorian-era woman about to throw yourself off a railing after you found out your sea captain husband died on his final return home voyage, or because you make candles. Or, I, I guess, or both. Or both. 
So a butcher, a baker, and a candlestick maker, and the latter two are now San's head, and the former has blood on their knife, and also somehow looks shocked. Did someone use their knife and hand it back? Like, are they surprised they just killed the other two after enduring years of teasing? Like, why the fuck is this even important? We are literally just two minutes into this film, and they've seriously taken time to show us one tiny figurine murdered two others at the stroke of midnight exactly and this is not a comedy horror film people this was supposed to be a serious entry into the slasher genre people honest to god put effort into this and the title screen activates and it's plain white letters on a black background that says scream wow i have a feeling this sets the tone for the entire film minimalism as in minimal writing Minimal good dialogue, minimal special effects, minimal plot, minimal acting, minimal everything. And we open on scenic stock footage, or bad paintings. Honestly, the low quality of the film keeps me from knowing. And, wow, holy shit, you guys. The music being played is bad sitcom opening music. Like, legit. Hold on, I'm gonna record a few seconds of it for you. So, yeah. <laughs> What makes this absolutely complete is the lettering has turned to bright orange and is in a sitcom-style font. This movie came out in 1981 as a serious addition to the slasher genre, but so far, I am not 100% convinced that it isn't actually an hour-long pilot for a mid-70s sitcom originally titled Scream with Laughter! Yeah. And we've seen a group of totally not sitcom actor-looking people rafting down a river in faux cowboy attire. Yeah. I've literally checked three times already to make sure I'm watching a horror movie. I am a writer, and I do not possess the language necessary to describe just how unsure I am as to why this is a horror film and not actually a bad sitcom. Cuts between close-ups of the actors on the rafts and the possible paintings? I don't know. Include a zoomed-in shot of a faraway shot that seriously just looks like a painting with maybe some rocks or rafts at the base of a huge mountain next to a river, and I, honestly, I can't tell. So, so far, minimal effort is definitely the core theme. Or is it? No, wait! I see the theme, <laughs> I see the theme now, folks. Nursery rhymes and childhood songs. We had the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker, and now we have row, row, row your boat. You know, gently down the stream. I mean, they are all acting merrily. Oh, man. Fuck. Spoiler alert. This movie is going to end up being just a dream sequence. Seriously, if that's the case, like, I'm way too good at this. Anyways. <laughs> oh, my. The dialogue so far is splendid. It's lots of, it's beautiful. It's like another world. Anyone know how to stop this thing? Where's the break? complete with no laughing at all, which tells me they honestly think rafts have breaks, or they were hoping for a laugh track to be included. Mm -hmm. And now they're hiking up a very steep hill, with even more inane dialogue and over-exaggerated looks of exasperation at attempts at hilarity. Guys, like, for real, this is a sitcom. They repurposed into a horror movie. That's literally the only explanation for this. And they reach the top and are greeted by what looks like a single street of a ghost town with... Maybe a half dozen buildings, all of which have brown or red paint and are completely dilapidated and worn down and look like something they built in the 60s to try to make it look like it was built in the Westward Expansion. And one of the several cast members says, Looks like this was a housing project built by the government. What? 
no, not not even a full minute later, someone makes a joke about how there's no rush hour traffic, and someone else says, well, they haven't seen a rush here since they discovered gold. So how the fuck does it look like it was a housing project built by the government? Literally, this entire thing makes no sense, and we're just almost seven minutes in. If it weren't for the fact that I'm watching this movie and writing this script over the course of several days and then recording it, I'd beg you all to send help. You know what? Actually, fuck it. Send help. I don't care if it's in the form of booze, weed, or just women or maybe some select men who for whatever reason find me attractive please send help for the love of all the dark ones well we about already well no point in just standing here well there definitely is a point in just standing there if you all stand there the movie stops so that would be beneficial but they're showing the same footage of the town for two full minutes while adding random dialogue on top of it and now we see the town from different angles Ooh, i say town but give me a year and some tools and I could build more buildings in this place, which is saying something because I'm completely inept with tools. So, hmm. Two of the girls of the group, by the way, the group is like a dozen or so people, so do not expect me to remember anyone's names, if they even say any names, until the cast gets them down substantially. But one of the girls has a strange feeling about this place. That rifle over the fireplace is... Oh, wait, no, no, there's no rifle over the fireplace or a fireplace at all or a rifle there's just two headless figurines a murderous figurine and a clock who went through early puberty above the fireplace that isn't actually there so two guys stop when one points to a building now this looks like something we want so apparently what they want is two to four outhouses put together i guess one of them is named al so which i will forget in a few seconds so you know if they stop saying al Al, you know what they say, all work and no play. Oh, see, I told you guys, nursery rhymes, songs, old sayings, they're this movie's entire key themes, along with minimalism. I am just too good at this. Now we're introduced to Bob, who I like because he's already complaining that he paid a hundred bucks to lug shit to the middle of a nowhere town, and, and that's just stupid. And you know what? He's right. Good job, Bob, although you were stupid enough to pay for it in the first place, so, eh. And after everyone else has passed, we see a guy who was struggling to make it up the hill and was even mocked for it a bit. And every time he's on screen, we get a special little crappy noise. Like, he's not even fatter than the rest of some of the cast, but he's obviously supposed to be the comic relief by being, oh, the overweight funny guy, which just screams sitcom. Ugh. And then suddenly it's night, and we hear synthesizer wolf noises. Like, no, no, really synthesizer wolf noises and some random singing that we can't really make out along with camera work that's bouncing more than my leg right now because i'm so fucking bored watching this shitty movie the thing is so slow and painful that it reminds me of dental surgery from stand-up comedy bits you know and oh no a point of view monster is approaching one of the possible main cast members as we hear birds chirping wait nate hold on i'm not a bird expert but those sounds are sounds i hear every day when the sun's rising but it's pitch black out in this movie. Like, it's darker than last week's Game of Thrones episode. Modern day reference, totally nailed it. Booyah. Okay, oh, it isn't a killer. Oh, fuck, it's just her old dad. Well, that was lame. They call this a slasher movie, and so far, not a single death. Oh, no, an ominous, um, fog, I guess? No, it's not even a fog. This was obviously smoke coming from a shitty smoke machine, but 
It was lit by a blue light, so, you know, must be killer smoke or something. Ooh. And now we're watching two guys get ready for bed in a brightly lit room, even though there's no electricity, and this is obviously electric light. But hey, minimal effort, right, guys? We keep seeing these two guys get ready and shots of two other guys getting ready, but we can't tell if they're in the same room, and no one's mouth is obviously moving, but somehow there's also dialogue because, um, reasons, I guess? One of the guys stays fully dressed for bed, just in case of ghosts. Wait, what? How the fuck is being fully dressed gonna stop a ghost? It, is it just so we can run out of the house screaming without being in just his PJs? Because, actually, okay, that's not a bad idea. Alright, fair, fair point. He points to whoever this hopefully soon dead guy is and says, oh, oh, his name is Lou. Go Lou for being smart enough to know this place is haunted by the ghost of a murderous figurine. And pan to another building, where we pan again to a different building. Okay, that was useful. This movie has more filler than I do, which is really saying a lot in this episode, because I'm already on page four of riffing, and we're not even 20 minutes in yet, but... Oh, hey, it's Bob! He's smoking, and there's a woman humming, but we can't see her, and he gets killed horribly! No, I'm just kidding, he smokes a cigarette. Then he goes back inside, and we cut to Lou snoring. Wow, great use of suspense. Wait, no, not suspense. What's the word? Uh, great use of, um, uh, um, oh yeah, shitty script writing. That's it, shitty script writing. Okay, and a door creaks open and we hear footsteps and Lou knows someone is going up the stairs he's sleeping under. Maybe it's a murderer or literally anyone else. Who knows because there's no suspenseful music playing or anything we don't see. So, cut to another building where they start up with sneaking sitcom music. No, seriously. Like, full-blown synthesizer tuba sounds. What is even happening right now? A guy sneaks out of one building and then runs around to the side and then back around to the front suddenly with a flashlight, and then around the town. Oh, wait, no, it's not a guy. Hold on, wait, or is it? I, you know what? I don't, I don't know. It's actually too dark to tell, and apparently it wasn't important because back to people in the sleeping bags and a point-of-view shot... Slowly zooming in on a woman's face. I bet she's gonna wake up and die. And her eyes opened, and she doesn't instantly scream. She looks around and sees nothing. Okay, what the fuck? 17 minutes in so far, and no deaths. Not a single death. Maybe that guy said it fails as a slasher movie because nobody actually fucking dies. You know, I mean, oh, hey, it's Al. He's gonna go wander around at night, whistling. Please let him die. Please let him die, because this is way too many false starts for murder. Another point of view monster following him. Let's see if it leads to untimely death. Actually, at this point, it would be very timely because we are fast approaching, yep, 20 minutes into a slasher film with no slashing. This is worse than Chopping Mall, where no chopping actually took place. Throwback reference. And Al sits down on a barrel and the camera pans up to a knife! No, wait, it's just that person walking around with a flashlight and they walked where Al was, but he's no longer there. Dun, dun, dun! Wait, okay, either he's the murderer, or we don't even get to see that first death happen. You know what, either way, I feel betrayed. Uh, flashlight person is definitely flashlight lady, and she looks in the building Al was just sitting in front of as the door creaked open by itself, and we hear some weird noises that sound like a car not starting, followed by like four drops of blood hitting the light of the flashlight, and then Al's body un harmoniously just drops down attached to a noose but the body actually falls way too far for him to be hanged but i bet they're still gonna say he was hanged because minimal continuity 
and Flashlight Lady screams, and everyone wakes up and starts moving outside, except Lou, who can't get the fuck out of his sleeping bag, even though he was 100% ready to run because he was fully dressed. Good job, Lou. And now they're wrapping up a blanket around Flashlight Lady and getting her some coffee or something, probably because the trauma of having to wait almost 20 minutes for a corpse was just too much for her to handle. Also, wait, where did they get the coffee? I mean, I guess it's feasible if they brought some to make with fires and whatnot, but I just don't camp at all. So for me, the only place to get coffee is... Well, actually, I don't drink coffee at all. It's not really my cup of tea, so... Well, actually, it is, because I don't really like tea either. You'd think this is completely unrelated to the story of the movie, and you'd be right, but you're also welcome, because the whole time it took me to type all of that, nothing of importance happened whatsoever. You're welcome. Everyone is gathered at the barn... I guess? I don't know, it's a big building with an open area, and, uh, yeah, big guy blows his nose to break the tension and adds some levity, <laughs> which prompts a loud man, I, I think Bob, but honestly half the guys look like Bob, so who knows, screams, well, is anyone gonna say something? I mean, you just did, so... And then he points out that someone there is a murderer, to which the old man says he doesn't want to believe anybody there is capable of that. Well, I don't want to believe someone gave you people money to make this fucking movie, but here we are, old man, so suck it up and deal with it. And a friend of Dead Man is accused because he isn't being sad enough, but I mean, to be fair, everyone's already so sad that they had to be in this movie in the first place that they can't waste any tears for Dead Guy. Oh, an old guy confirmed it. Loudmouth is, in fact, Bob. Huzzah! I was correct. And then we spend 12 full seconds cutting between Bob pretending to smoke a cigarette and Dead Guy's friend, neither of whom speak, and I mean 12 full fucking seconds. It doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, here's 12 seconds of silence. Now, granted, the movie had a stock cricket noise that you could clearly hear looping in the background, but still, 12 seconds. Are you ready for this? Here we go. See? It's a long fucking time, right? 12 goddamn seconds of silence in a movie. Good job. And oh, hey, we just learned this is a tour, and two of the faux cowboy-looking people are the tour guides, I guess. Well, mystery solved. We can all go home now. Wait, no, hold on. I'm being told, no, no, we cannot. We cannot all go home now. That that, in fact, solves nothing, and the movie still has nearly an hour left. Oh, dear God. Someone kill me now. I mean, not like now, now, since by the time you're hearing this, I've already spent days not dealing with this movie. But now as in, I'm writing this and I want someone to come kill me. Is this meta, or is it just time-wasting? I honestly can't tell anymore. Well, whatever it is, it's better than the writing in this fucking movie, that's for sure. Tour guides rightly decide when they go down river tomorrow, they'll get a hold of the sheriff, to which Bob sarcastically replies, TERRIFIC! I mean, I mean, it actually is terrific, Bob. Like, what else do you want them to say? It's pitch black outside right now, so you can't go anywhere, and cell phones don't really exist yet, and chances are walkie-talkies are useless at whatever range you are from the sheriff. Like, what are you mad about? That they didn't bring a fucking ham radio with them? Like, I don't know, and we're treated to another long silence. How long? I'm glad you didn't ask, but I did. Holy shit. One minute and 40 seconds of dead silence. Like, some minor incidental music that adds nothing, and the same cricket loop as before. But, like, literally nothing else happening. What happened during that time? We see the woman who found Dead Guy, Bob smoking a cigarette, Dead Guy's friend taking out, lighting, 
smoking a cigarette, the camera panning away from him, showing a different building, showing a knife hanging on a wall for no reason, then panning back onto Dead Guy's friend. Yeah. And the first thing to happen when we come back, Dead Guy's friend wants to know, where's the beer? Yep. Uh-huh. And he's told, uh, he's told, and then he goes and gets it alone because not like someone just got fucking murdered a few minutes ago. Let's hope Dead Guy's friend dies for two reasons. One, because we just, we need another murder. It's, it's we, we just need another murder at this point. And two, even though I cheered Bob on to begin with, he, he needs to be knocked down a peg. So, you know, yeah. And now we hear thunder off in the distance. No lightning, no low rumbling and build up. Just boom, thunder all of a sudden. And he goes into a dark building and dies horribly. No, I'm just kidding. He comes back out with a beer. And then he remembers to go get another one for the other person who also asked for a beer. And then he dies horribly. No, that time he actually really did die. Or at least I think so. I don't know. We hear noises that imply he's being hit with something. And then him going, Oof! And then, by the way, that was way better acting than he did. And then the door to the building suddenly closes. Ooh, spooky. Well, we know it wasn't one of the group now, so what's your vote, kids? Escaped mental patient who holed up here? Random murderous psycho? This place used to be a tourist trap, but some kid died, and they blamed the black hat villain from the high noon gunfight, and even though he wasn't found guilty, it ruined his life, and he stayed here to murder anyone who comes along. I, I mean, those, those are the only options, right? Can't wait to see. Ooh, let's see if we find out. Of course, we all know, though, it was actually the butcher figurine already, but still, it's fun to pretend that we don't know. Oh, hey, they found Dead Guy's friend. New Dead Guy. And we literally just see his corpse under a blanket, so no idea what happened to him. Great. The tour guides lament that they haven't dealt with this before. <laughs> but I mean, really, can you even call yourself a tour guide if you haven't had several members of a tour brutally murdered? <laughs> I don't think so. <sighs> people who we can't see are where he died to look for clues, but before other people we can't see, tell them everyone's going back to the saloon before one of the people we can't see sneaks back to look for clues. Was that confusing? Good. Good. I'm glad it was, because now you're on the same page that I am. Yeah. This movie's... So, legit, we, we cannot see who the fuck these people are. Oh, wait. Hey, one fucking beam of light shows us it's... it's Oh, it's old guy! He went back to look for clues on his own. Let's hope he dies for being a dumb fucking idiot and staying away from the group. Like, he just fucking, like, went off to Scooby-Doo this shit. Like, he's legit wandering around where the last guy was killed with a flashlight that isn't lighting up anything while synthesizer harpsichord music plays in the background. And, oh, look, a bloody... Wait, hold on. That knife they showed earlier, it was a... Oh, my God, you guys, it was a fucking butcher knife. Like, wait, no, 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 really. Okay, the butcher knife is gonna kill the old guy, I think. We don't see it. It just swings downward, and we hear a noise, and then the flashlight flies across the room, and we see a hand grasping at the ground, and the knife goes up and down a few more times in frame, and that's that's it. Okay, so that's three fucking deaths with no real clear visual. I'm starting to get the whole they tried thing here. Okay, you guys, I, I was actually joking about the whole nursery rhyme thing, but apparently I am actually better at this than I thought, because for no reason, right after we see old guy die... Sorry, my mistake. Right after we see that old guy probably died, but we didn't get to clearly see it, we're treated to his daughter, who I guess is Bob's wife, leaning on Bob's shoulder, humming the close your eyes, go to sleep kid song. You know, the... Except she's, you know, humming it like very slow and ominous. And while she's humming it, we see a close-up 
of an axe and a scythe hanging on the wall next to a bloody butcher knife because, you know, where else do you keep your butcher knife other than out in the shed next to your fucking scythe and your axe? Mm-hmm. Is it really going to be the butcher figurine? Because I will straight up throw this fucking computer out the goddamn window. Seriously. And back to Bob complaining. It's true. The things you start off loving someone for, you end up hating them for in the end. Bob, what happened? Not even 25 minutes ago, I adored your frankness and straightforwardness, but now I find you insufferable and dickish. Mainly because you point out how stupid it is that you could all be killed at any moment, and everyone's just standing around doing nothing, while you literally just poured yourself a drink and are just standing around doing nothing, smoking a cigarette. So, oh hey, blonde lady, hereafter to be referred to as blonde lady, basically calls him out on it, to which he replies, I don't run this show, followed by close-ups of the remaining survivors, with that same goddamn cricket loop for another 20 seconds. Jesus. Remember that pause I did a little while ago? Double it. Minimalism, folks. Minimal dialogue. Oh my god. Lady, who I've probably seen before but never cared about enough, starts feeling sorry for Bob's wife and then ponders, Are we ever gonna get out of this? I mean, you could literally all get your shit and walk down to the boats. Like... There's nothing stopping you. I mean, you couldn't really leave, but you could get out of this. And so far, you've been dealing with this for less than an hour. Like, are we ever going to get out of this? More like, are we ever going to get into this? <laughs> am, I, am I right? Am I, guys, am I right? Am I right? Anyways. Tour Guide Cowboy 1 says the sun will be up in a couple hours, and they'll be all right until then. He says this based on absolutely nothing, by the way. Oh, hey, fat comic relief guy needs to pee, but at least he's smart enough to ask someone to go with him. But everyone's basically like, screw that guy's bladder. And honestly, if I was him, I'd just piss in the corner. Like, if no one's going to step outside with you, use the bathroom so you don't die horribly, then they deserve to have to look at, hear, and smell your pee. If this episode ever gets a quote on a t-shirt, God, I really hope they use that one. Ah. Uh, Oh, hey, more building shots, followed by the sun rising. They made it. The ordeal is over. They're all going to be okay. Wait, no, it's only 33 minutes in. The boats are going to be gone. The Yeah, the boats are going to be. Oh, look, yep, the boats are gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they knew it wasn't one of them. They knew it had to be someone else at the place. So they all decided to not go check the boats together. Good job. Ah. <sighs> Bob continues to be Bob and says, Terrific! At least a dozen more times. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but it feels like that many times. I hope Bob dies next, but I bet he'll be one of the ones that, uh, it'll, it'll, you know what, it'll probably be one of the tour guides or a uh, random lady. I, you know what, I bet Bob lives. Bob is an asshole, so he'll live just like real life. And they can't boat out, because, you know, no boats. They can't swim. There's a road, but it's 30 miles to the nearest ranch, so that's not really practical. So the tour guides actually make a good point, though. They will be missed when they don't check in tonight, so help should either be arriving this evening or tomorrow. I mean, honestly, guys, that's not that bad. Everyone just stay in that one big room together. No one go anywhere alone for literally any reason for just one day. Simple. It'll be easy and nothing will go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're all gonna die. Someone says it looks like it might rain. Well, there was a thunder all night, so, you know, maybe even though it's sunny and not a cloud in the sky that they've shown us is, you know, but yeah, sure, it'll rain, because someone already put money in the budget for paying some kid to poke holes in a bucket that's filled with water, so they might as well use it, right? Yeah, okay. 
And now we see Comic Relief Man wandering around the town alone with bad sitcom music because why the fuck wouldn't you do that? Oh look, a door opened by itself and he's gonna go check it out because I mean literally no goddamn good reason. This is just a chance to thin the cast out. That, that's the only reason. And oh, it's the building with two corpses so you know it's perfectly safe. And the door closes behind him and won't open and no one hears him screaming for help. And looks like one of the corpses is moving. Ah, oh, damn it, he got out. Now he runs towards the, the group, then stops, pulls his pants up a bit, and then just walks away and says his yelling was about nothing. Wait, okay, so that means everyone, because everyone else is standing in front of another building together in a big group, everyone just watched him walk away alone without stopping him. They watched him walk into a building alone without stopping him. They heard him screaming for help, and none of them did a fucking thing. You know what? I hope Comic Relief Guy is the killer. Because what the fuck? That's total bullshit. Ah. And then suddenly they hear noise. Yeah, now they can hear noise. Oh. It's two dirt bikers who ride through the town with 70, 70s porn music. Play no, really, seriously. It's 70s porn music, and it's, yeah. The bikers stop in the middle of the town road and rev their engines while the people stand in front of the building saying things like, What are they just standing there for? Do something, you stupid bastards! Which, oddly enough, is exactly what I'm yelling at the people standing in front of the building. Yeah. Go up to the two people and tell them there's a fucking murderer on the loose in the town and they need to go drive down to that ranch 30 miles away and get the cops there in a hurry. Or you could just stand there and mock them. Come on, you douche, do something. Seriously. Oh, and the bikers are lost. Yep. One of the bikers gives his bike to the tour, one of the tour guides, and the other biker and the tour guide are gonna drive off to go get help. Wow. Okay. Honestly, I didn't, I did not see that coming. Like legit, I am surprised and impressed. That's actually a good idea. There are flatly delivered lines before and after the bikers show up by the same character. I assume comic relief man because he's not skinny. Of think we might get something to eat. That just beg for a laugh track to be added in. Seriously, two deaths, but neither on camera, a haunted ghost town populated by a potential murderer, and a stranded tour group with a larger guy for comic relief and a crotchety asshole named Bob. This is 1,000% a sitcom, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Everyone is shown barely picking at their food, and then, oh, look! Comic Relief Man is literally shoving it into his face because he's fat! <laughs> oh, my God, this trope is so terrible. Before, everyone just stares at him, makes him feel very uncomfortable, and then they just stare him down until he puts his food down and walks away alone again with nobody saying anything to stop him. I really, really want him to be the killer, just so they all get, with, get what's coming to them for being assholes. Ugh. And cut tonight because, wait, hold on, it was like maybe noon. Like, okay, the average dirt bike speed today is between 15 and 25 miles per hour. Now let's dial that back a little bit for the 80s. So let's say 10, 10 miles per hour. The ranch is 30 miles away, but was on a road. So we'll say they could go 10 the whole way. That's three hours to get to the ranch. Figure an hour for the cops to get there. And then 30 minutes to an hour for the cops to show back up in town. That's five hours tops. This is obviously summer. It wouldn't even be remotely dark yet. Obviously, the cops just don't give a fuck, and these people are all gonna die. I can see it now. They're where? That town? Oh no, that's inhabited by an evil butcher figurine that murders everyone who comes there. You two are lucky to get out alive, but your friends are all dead by now. Just forget it. <sighs> and there's bad 80s guitar music playing as we pan over the buildings and onto a radio. 
That's just an actual radio playing that music, which means everyone is sleeping with loud music blaring instead of having people stand guard to watch for the cops or the killer, whoever shows up first. These people deserve to be murdered. <gasps> Point of view monster turns the radio off without touching it. Like, the thing just turned off magically. Okay. And then an alarm clock goes off. Why did they bring a fucking alarm? It, it wakes up Comic Relief Man, along with the worst coyote noise I've ever heard in my entire life. It sounds like a drowning cat was told if it pretended to be a coyote well enough, they'd save it from drowning. And Comic Relief Man was completely alone and steps outside to yell, Hey, where is everybody? Holy fuck, please tell me they all just left him alone because fuck that guy, apparently. Like, ugh. You know what? At least this time it's frog noises instead of cricket noises going on in a loop outside. A door opens and closes on its own like the wind is doing it, which makes him feel better even though there's no wind. And he keeps yelling for anyone to come and tell him they're joking or something, but no one does. So either he's the sole survivor at this point or they're all really extra special terrible people. Or this is a dream sequence. I guess any of those things is possible at the moment. Oh, and he falls. And it's hilarious because he's big. <laughs> and he falls over a rock in the middle of the road that hasn't been there the entire time. Okay. And cut to more sitcom music while he wanders around the town at night where there have already been two murders. Oh my god. Oh, and he puts his hand on a building and a spider crawls on it. OMG. And so he runs screaming. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh. Jesus, this really is a sitcom. And of course, while he runs and screams, he can't catch his breath, because, you know, he's big. And a point-of-view monster attacks him from behind. No, wait, it just looked like a corpse fell on him. Yeah, one of the corpses just magically fell on him. But regardless, he still screams and runs away, and finally sees everyone else in the town show up with flashlights, and they chastise him for not being where they were looking. He was literally asleep in one spot, you fucking assholes. Now he's doing his best cherry goddamn Lewis impression, trying to tell him about whatever landed on his back. I, uh, he, they, uh, woo, hello, nice lady. Like, seriously, this is just fucking insane. And he's obviously distressed and upset, and they all just say they don't want to hear about it and walk off. They just insult him by saying he wouldn't remember to shit if his mother didn't call him to remind him every day. Please, God, I know I don't ask for much because I don't think you're real, but please let him be the killer so he can get revenge all these, on all these awful, awful people. And by the way, while they're insulting him, he's literally just at the end of the line of people. He can hear everything they're saying about him. Yeah. He then finds a hat on the bar, and they spend a while on the hat, so I don't know, I guess it's important, but fuck me if I remember seeing that hat any time before in this movie. Hmm. And now we get a long panning shot that covers every single person around. And finally, everyone is wondering why the people who went to get help aren't back yet. And one of the guys says, yeah, they should have been back. It's been over four hours. It's pitch black outside. They hadn't eaten lunch yet when those two dirt bikers showed up. So we've already established that this isn't winter. And apparently in this one particular ghost town, it gets to be about midnight by 4.30 at night. What the f***? Someone goes inside to get coffee for one of the women because she's cold. So why doesn't she go back with you to the inside to get away from the cold? You know what? Never mind. There's a there's a clock we see and it's it's fucking oh it's ten. Ten something at night. So it's been over four hours, man. It's been ten goddamn hours. Gotcha. Okay. There's a cracked mirror next to the clock, and the guy who went into the coffee, alone, I might add, because these people have literally not learned a single fucking lesson and refuse to do anything even remotely intelligent. 
And the guy looks in the mirror and starts acting like he's seen something behind him. There, There isn't, though. But he's acting like there is. He's acting up a fucking storm. We even get like half dozen cuts between the mirror, clearly showing us that there's not a goddamn thing behind him, and his face, which clearly says that there's some goddamn thing behind him. And then a door behind him slowly creaks open, and he runs out front to get everyone to check it out with him. Just kidding. He walks right into the open door because he's a fucking moron. And then gets thrown through the wall at the front of the building. Legit. He just got thrown through a wall. You know what? Frankly, he deserved it. And then suddenly we hear a glass breaking noise. And so they all run away from the corpse and the giant hole in the wall. And run into the building where the noise came from. And no one finds anything because they aren't looking at the ground where the figurine would be. And that's, I'm sure, what the break... I don't know. And the mirror is gone now. Like, so the glass breaking noise was apparently just the mirror fucking vanishing. Because that makes sense. It didn't break. It was already cracked. It's just gone now. Mm Mm-hmm. Tour guide cowboy who said, you know, oh, maybe it'll take him a couple hours to get to the ranch. Wait, hold on. Tour guide cowboy who stayed says it would maybe take them two hours to get to the ranch. So, wait, and with the 10 mile, well, there goes my math from earlier. You know, sorry guys. And Bob is being Bob and says, it's been over six. It was just over four hours ago, 10 minutes ago. This movie's caught in a fucking time warp. Bob deduces something must have happened to them, and Blonde Lady says that's not a very positive attitude. Well, there's like three or four fucking dead people in here, Blonde Lady, so, you know, you know what? I like Bob again. He told her to shove her positive attitude up her ass, you know, in not so many words, and that's probably something I would have done. So, yeah. Oh, shit, and now I have to hate Bob again, because Blonde Lady calls him out on being a dick, and Bob says he isn't going to take that lip from anybody, especially a damn female. Oh, Bob. Cringy, dude. Why? Mmm. Bob's wife screams stop and tries to get him an impassioned speech about not hurting each other. But you know what? With all the character development of a wet noodle that's happened in this film so far, it just falls flat and makes me think that Bob's wife is just wishing she had booze to deal with his bullshit. They're stringing cans up across part of the building now as a warning system. I mean, they could just, oh, I don't know, stop going places alone. But yeah, a can warning system, that's, that's fine too, I suppose. They hear some noises from around the back of the building, so they all leave together. No, no, I'm just kidding. They actually all stay in the big open room where they're safe. No, I'm just kidding again. Two guys run off together to go find out it was just a possum. That's good, at least. We'll be all right, as long as we stay together, says one of the guys who literally just ran off and didn't stay together. Yay! Oh, you know, hey, nature documentary sounds from the public domain. I mean, mean, uh, look, wild animal noises. Ooh, uh, ah. Random lady leaves the building alone because it's only 20 minutes till the end of the movie and we still have way too many people left alive. We see the axe and the scythe and the bloody butcher knife again and the axe gets picked up and random lady is lying on the ground next to where the other corpses are for, um, no reason. What the literal fuck? I, okay, I had to rewatch this, guys. Honestly, I thought maybe I missed something, but nope. Did not miss a thing. This woman walked out of the room full of people, the only safe place, to go across the dark town where there have already been at least three murders to go lay down next to where the corpses are being stored. She then hears a noise or something and gets up and runs back to the main building, tripping over the cans they set up, which causes her to fall long enough for the axe to swing down and kill her, I think. I don't know. We don't see it connecting, so that means it probably did happen. Oh, no, wait, no, okay, they bring her body inside, even though, wait, they were running outside as the axe came down. There's literally no way they could not have seen the axe killing her. But, okay, yeah, 
Minimal, minimal effort into the plot. Uh, she's apparently okay, though, and everyone wonders why they fell asleep at the same time. Yeah, that's the question. And then wondering why she walked off alone. Well, uh, there's an obvious answer for that. Bad screenwriting. That's why it happened. Lou, you know, the comic relief man, thinks maybe it isn't human, but everyone starts to be an ass and tells him to shut up. And now the clock says it's midnight. Time for the figurines her who aren't the butcher to die. Dun, dun, dun. There's a bad wolf noise, so everyone's all, what was that? Did you hear anything? The problem is now the sound effects guy is just hitting random fucking buttons, and we hear it almost sounds like a train track warning going off with, with like, a, a rattle that's pretending to be used as a rattlesnake right up to the microphone, you know, and then, like, a fucking, like, door creaking noise, and a, did you hear that? Hear what? Dave and Sound trying way too hard to earn his paycheck? Yeah, I fucking hear that. They look outside and see a fuck ton of smoke and keep asking, what is it? And there's something in the smoke or fog or whatever it is. It's a dog or a pig or a big cat or something. I don't know. I can't really tell because this movie is using darkness as a substitute for plot. Minimalism. Oh, wait. Hold on. No, no. Uh, there's a big horse. Uh, maybe we'll get lucky and it's a stampede and they'll all die horribly. Nope. No, wait. It's a guy on a horse leading another horse and there's a dog in front of them. I was right. It was a dog. He rides up to everyone, and no one says a fucking thing for, like, a whole goddamn minute. Just lots of staring. And there's a blanket on the other horse. And without saying anything, tour guide walks up to move the blanket and sees that it's Jerry! Whichever one Jerry was, I don't know. And now we're introducing actual cowboy man, because that's what this movie needed. A new character. Not plot. Not lighting. Not a better script. No, not actual on-screen deaths. Just a new character. And this is the part in the sitcom where we find out that there's gold here, and that's why the killer's around. To keep the gold for themselves. Or it could be the part in the movie where we have the new cowboy man sit around and smoke a pipe for half a minute before anyone says a goddamn thing, and then not answer a question when someone asks him if he saw the other person. Since they sent out, you know, two people for help, and he came back with one corpse, obviously they should just let the man in, assume he's safe and didn't kill anybody, especially when he doesn't answer base questions like, where's the other friend who should have been with this dead friend of ours? Totally safe and fine! Mm-hmm. I was a sailor, you know, for 40 years. Sailed the horn 35 times. Oh, well that answers the question, you daft fuck. Ugh. He's talking about the wind and the, the wheel of the ship and watching the water and how his captain wasn't ever afraid. And did they switch reels on me? Okay. Well, you know, we're trying to tie it back in here now. They were cruel men who ran us off the ships. Cru company men. And they didn't give the captain any more ships. And we wound up here. Okay. I feel like um, this is like they, they keep asking questions and he's not answering. It's like, it's like the old man from scene 24. Where's our other friend? I was a sailor, you know, and our friend. He was on the ocean <laughs> for 40 years. And in that 40 years, you found our friend. <laughs> I sailed the horn 35 times. <laughs> and our friend, he was there around the horn. They were cruel men. The ones who killed our friend, company men. Right, okay, we give up. <sighs> he pulls out a compass the captain gave him and suddenly it starts going crazy and there's a magic noise and the man and the dog look over and growl at an empty space in the room and the door to the saloon creaks a bit. Obviously, the ghost of the captain walked in right then. Or something. I don't know. No one is even remotely questioning what the fuck's happening, by the way. Now they're all just outside again, and the sailor man climbs up, back up on his horse, and... No one's talking, and the guy just rides off. What the actual fuck is going on? Man just shows up with one of your friends that went for help, dead, 
doesn't answer a fucking thing, talks nonsense, and then just rides off and none of you try to stop him or do anything about it. Did you guys come out to the desert to do peyote? Or what? What's happened? You know what? That's it. Maybe you have to be on peyote for this movie to make any sense. He never told us about Stan. You don't suppose he knows something? Of course he fucking knows something, you moronic assholes! Okay, now they see a strange light over where they keep the corpses, so of course, one guy is gonna go check it out alone. Oh hey, random lady actually says they should all go together to check it out. For once, someone is actually thinking with more than just their ass. <sighs> There's less than 15 minutes left in this movie. There better just be a fucking explosion to clear out everyone, because this is just getting ridiculous. They all go into the corpse container, I mean building, and I don't, I don't know what happens, because it's, it's really dark. Like, not morbid, just honest to God, too dark to see anything that's happening. They suddenly all scream on cue, even though there was no noise or movement, but it was just a rat that they added in afterwards, so it's okay. Tour Guide hands the flashlight off to someone while he goes to check on something, because we haven't learned a basic lesson yet. He goes to get a lantern and then the coffee, because apparently that's important, and that's what he needed to go check on, to make sure a lantern and the coffee were there. And then a door creaks open and he slowly backs away from it before slowly, very slowly, way more slowly than you should be walking if you think there's somebody trying to kill you, back to the group. And he actually makes it, sadly. Now they're barricading themselves into the new building because the old one, I, I mean, it was just fine if they didn't leave it for no reason. And now they're in a building where they thought they saw a light. So why wouldn't you go there for safety? Makes perfect sense. More sitcom music, seriously, while they all sit and, like, half cry. Like, it sounds like music you'd hear when a kid gets home from school in the after-school after special in, like, the 80s. You, like, expect mom to walk in any second and say something like, Is this your marriage you want a cigarette, Jimmy? Like, yeah, no, no, a point of view monster is creeping up on the building. And someone keeps sniffing every half second. Seriously. <laughs> And then finally Bob screams at them to, to, to stop. And I mean, I don't blame the sexist prick in this instance because that was really annoying. And plus it works. They stop sniffing. And then there's a massive boom like someone broke down a fucking wall. One of the women screams and a guy whispers for them to be quiet. Like the killer doesn't already know exactly where they are. You've got the only lights in the town. Bob literally just screamed stop at the top of his lungs. But yeah, this woman screaming while another loud noise is happening is gonna let the killers know that you're all hiding there. Good job. Okay. The door to the room they're in is being banged on like crazy and someone keeps shushing the woman because why exactly? I don't know. So of course they open the door real quick because that was smart, but no one's there until suddenly Stan shows up. You might be asking who Stan is. I was too. He's their friend who was with the other friend who died. Someone runs away alone to go get the first aid kit. And bootsteps are heard behind him while he's completely alone like a fucking dipshit. And he keeps looking around and sees no one and then suddenly is thrown around the room for a few minutes and starts acting like he's being choked even though there's literally nothing touching him. And he doesn't want to scream loud enough for the people like, I don't know, 200 feet away to hear him. He then gets tossed around some more and then an axe to the face. Well... An axe to the neck of the obvious mannequin. But still, that's the first on-screen death so far. And it only took them one hour and 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. And oh, look, Bob ran off alone because they need to kill like five more people before the movie's over in five minutes. And so, yeah, that's why Bob needed to run off alone. He turns around after hearing a noise and a scythe to the face. Well, to the shadow, so we don't actually see him die. But he's dead. And Lou saw, you know, the comic relief guy. So maybe this time he'll actually be able to tell everybody what happened without them mocking him to death. 
Bob's wife figures out that he's dead and tries to run out to join him, completely unaware of the fact that now her life's going to be a million times better. Lou holds the door better than Christian Nairn. That's two Game of Thrones references for anyone that's counting. Yeah. But in the effort to keep everyone in, the Force manages to pull Lou out, and the Scythe gets ready to swing down onto him before we hear a gunshot, and the Scythe falls harmlessly to the ground, and we see Sailor Man show back up. Why the fuck did you even leave then, you asswipe? And then headlights pull up behind him, signaling us being rescued from this terrible movie. Wait, wait the car pulls up and there's no Sailor Man now. And, and wait, who got help when one of the friends died and the other one stumbled back in at the last second? If they'd gotten help, they would have just shown back up. What the hell? What the fuck is happening? Okay. Then this old couple gets out and checks on Lou before turning to the people in the building. Lou starts breathing, by the way. He's fine. And the camera pans over his outstretched hand to the compass that Sailor Man had. Zoom into the compass, fade to the painting of the boat. Remember that at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, me either. I don't remember that either at this point. And then it pans again towards the figurines, only this time the butcher also doesn't have his head, and the clock is striking midnight again. And then it pans up to show a painting of an old man who isn't anyone we've even seen before, and the sailor man does his only fucking line as a voiceover, implying that, what, I don't know, the captain's ghost was the killer? So who or what's... Who? What? The killer? Why the nursery rhymes? What the, the boat painting? The figurines? Why the minimalism? We'll never know, because that was it. That was Scream. I picked a hell of a painful movie to come back to, didn't I? Honestly, that's why I managed another episode this time. I was hoping maybe I'd find the energy and motivation to do another one, and so I decided to sit down and watch some movies to see if there was one bad enough for me to really enjoy. And before I even started watching this one, I read about it, because, hey, its name is Scream, and I really could not find a single nice thing to be said about it. Which pretty much cemented for me that I had to do it. And this movie is so bad, it does not even have a cult following. Oh, oh, that was painful. Mm. I hope you all hated it as much as I did, and it was nice to be back. Hopefully it won't be as much of a break this time between episodes. If you want to help with that, send me a message on Facebook or Twitter. I'll respond to everything. Shoot me an email telling me why I'm the best thing ever to happen in your life. I mean, you know, or just say good job or whatever. But really, like, that feedback, it, it does it does really help, so I appreciate it. So, All right. See you all again soon. Take care.